Hello and welcome Wood Floor Pros. I'm Steve Diggins, your host of All Things Wood Floor, brought to you by Wood Floor Business Magazine. Welcome to our podcast. You might know me from my articles in Wood Floor Business Magazine and maybe my online posts, uh, my blogs of uh, wood flooring mysteries. I'm a writer and a floor guy because I've played them both in real life, 34 years in this industry, and I'm currently a branch manager and training director for Wood Pro Inc., wholesale hardwood flooring distributors and supplies. Uh, my office is out of Derry, New Hampshire. I'm also a certified flooring contractor and hardwood flooring consultant slash trainer slash inspector. Going to kick off our podcast today. I'm talking with wood flooring pro Jake Schlichty here in our home court of New Hampshire. Uh, I like to write about flooring anomalies and unsolved mysteries with flooring, and I think you're going to find that Jake Schlichty is a bit of a flooring anomaly himself. He's only 29 years old. He started his business when he was 23. Jake is one of the pros featured in Wood Floor Business Magazine's Next Gen Story Series. Uh, that will be out February slash March issue coming up soon. Jake and I are going to talk about everything from uh, why there aren't more younger people in the industry today, and then we'll get into the real meat and potatoes, techie stuff, uh, you know, when to glue assist, when not to glue assist. We, we get into plank wide, plank plane sawn, live sawn, you name it. Uh, Jake has got some mad skills, people, so pay attention because we just might be learning some stuff here today. We're going to get started, but before we do, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Graf Brothers, the world's largest producer of rift and quartered white oak products. Let's get to it. Okay. Steve Diggins, Wood Floor Business Magazine, and uh, this is our first podcast. I have my guest, Jake Schlichty from um, North Country Hardwoods. Jake, tell me a little bit about North Country Hardwoods, and welcome. Well, thanks for having me, first off. Absolutely. Um, yeah, North Country Hardwoods, we're based out of southern New Hampshire, um, you know, just really trying to perfect the sand and finish world, um, you know. It's kind of a dying breed, it seems these days. Um, and, and and yeah, you know, just a y- younger guy, uh, younger guy in the industry trying to make a way. What's your deal? Like, you know, you're you're in a good spot. I mean, you're where I grew up. This was a clear market forever, and they moved it to kind of a select and better market. But you know, we all got in there with uh, red oak, white oak, sand finish. That the other thing. What do you, what are you guys doing these days? That's probably a little different than what we were doing. How did how did you start out, and and what's like your forte right now? Uh, so what's really hot for us right now is the white oak plank for sure. Uh, a lot of live saw and a lot of character grade. Um, it seems to be you know, like you know, we're in that market where it's either super modern or it's real country. So it seems to be either, uh, you know, a floor with a lot of character in it, uh, a lot of variation, or the complete opposite of like a European select white oak that's, you know, very structurally the same in the grain pattern, you know, very modern. Well, that, I worked your area, and at one point we wanted to be different. So we would do is we'd give away a border or beg that we could put in a border because no one wanted them, no one wanted to pay for it, but we wanted it on our resume. But you're working with wider plank, which is super. Although you're starting off more complicated because, you know, you put a strip floor in this one thing here in New England. But when you put anything over five inch, there's a lot going on. And, and you're working with live sawn material. I taught flooring for three years. Everything, quarter sawn, rift to quarter, whole classes in quartering wood. Live sawn's even new to me. When, when you're working with that, how do you sell that? What's your pitch on live sawn? Because a lot of guys don't even know what it is. 
Well, it's funny you say that too, because I just made an ad about this on my business. You know, you see a lot of trendy stuff now with the white oak, uh, you know, pressing French oak and a lot of customers don't, don't even understand what that means. They're just getting sold on, you know, the next trend. Um, so, you know, we'd really try to educate clients and, you know, what, what they want. You know, if you want a lot of variation, then, then a European oak is not going to be what you're looking for. Um, and a lot of these finish options, I think is the big thing for us too. Yeah. A lot of these European oils, a lot of waxes and stuff like that, that, you know, a lot of, uh, people in the trade, a lot of pros in the trade that just, they haven't seen, you know, it's, yeah. it's gone very far from just your standard oil based finish. Well, you're way ahead of the curve too, because you made a, a really good point and you're, you're a young guy. I did this. I don't know, 35 something years and you get away from it and you do other things. Like I did 10 solid years in the trenches and then on and off and then other things. But, you know, I think that what I found that made my company popular and I see it in the ones that are my better customers and guys, and you just said it is you don't just go in and go, Hey, oil is all you use. There's nothing else. that's any good. If the customer wants some type of a buffed wax finish or a stained finish, it really is, you tell me what your needs are, and you probably look at it them and go, all right, well, listen, there's a practicality here. You know, you get nine-inch planking over radiant heat, and you haven't turned it on yet, and you want, you know, tongue oil. It, it gets more complicated than we were just, when we were just slapping down oil, et cetera. So you're already starting the curve difficult by using the wider planking. When you're, when you're working with your products, do you... What's your situation on gluing when people go, should I glue assist? Should I trowel glue it? You're working with bigger products. How do you set that up? Right. So that I guess the biggest obstacle for us is dealing with builders on new construction. Like you said, they're, they're used to the strip flooring that you know comes in, maybe acclimates a day or two, if any, and just gets banged right in, and it's just flooring as usual. Um, you know, So the big hurdle for us is, you know, educating these builders that these water products, they, they need to be perfectly acclimated. The mm-hmm. subfloor has to be great. Um, you know, and then the added cost of adhesive and all these things add up in, in the builder world, you know, they're just trying to turn trades over as fast as they can. So I think mm-hmm. our biggest obstacle is, you know, educating them and these designers that, you know, if this is what you want, you want these nine, 10, plus wide boards that it it has to be properly dealt with from the beginning. I can set up somebody with a a cortisone or rift and quartered, whatever it might be. What I haven't heard this pitch myself because it's still fairly new. What do you, when you go in and you talk live song, it's got to perk somebody's interest. How do you explain the live song compared to your other cuts that you're selling? Live song is going to have your most, most variation. Um, from board to board. Uh, so boards are wild. Uh, they're grain patterns that most people have never seen before. Um, so when they're looking for a more character grade floor, you know, it really jumps out. Um, it, it's just got this beautiful variation in boards. Um, I saw some of your white Oak online that you did. You did a big open concept one. I actually use that as a background too. And not only does it, I don't like to use the word tight. It, it looks tight and smooth and really slick but the planking looks flat it looks super cool and the graining pattern like you said is it's varied you, you do have some figuring you do have some natural characteristics it, it looks super cool do you, are you a little more worried about the setup on the wider plank stuff right from the beginning because you know people will call you and blame you for everything under the sun when a plank goes wrong right so again it goes back to educating uh 
the builder or the client on what's going to happen. You know, the living condition that they're living in in their house is very important. So even far after we're gone, if they don't keep that moisture content to, you know, a stable condition, your floor is going to move. Yeah. Substantially, especially with these wider planks. So even when we do, you know, often when we get into the really wide stuff, we're going to full trowel. Um, I like to full trowel. It gives a whole bite on the whole bottom of the board. And, um, you know, they still have to keep that relative humidity where it needs to be, which is, which is a big point. Absolutely. That's cool. Now you got, you got into this, what I'm thinking, maybe I, I, I worked with your dad ages ago. You know, your, your dad and I knew each other in high school. That's wild. I didn't know that. Great. He walked into my building one day and I'm like, I, I know you. And he goes, Oh yeah, you get, you do floors. I go, no, you're one of the greatest soccer players that ever lived. We used to try and take the bus cross town and go, oh, there's, that's Kosh Lichty. He's so scary. He's a goalie. He, they, they, those guys were incredible. But, and then I got to meet him and, and, and sell him some product and do some flooring and stuff. And so you must have got in there somewhere around 2012, 14, 13, right in there? Yeah, so I've, I've owned my company now for just over six years. Cool. Um, I've been, like you said, my father was in this, so I've been in this trade my whole life. Uh, you know, I remember sitting on the buffer when I was a kid while he was buffing. And, <laughs> I know, right? You know, sitting next to the saws with a, uh, a broom and a dustpan, and every cut he'd make, I'd have to sweep up, you know, oh. just kind of stuff like that. Um, so I really started from the bottom. I mean, I, I hand-scraped corners and palm-sanded and brought in bundles of wood, God, for probably two or three years before I was, you know, ever allowed to use the saw or, or nailer. Or, at that point, it was like a privilege. Like, wow, I get to nail in this closet. I know right? everybody is so so ecstatic to have work until you realize you got a helper and you go, I want to put this guy in the edger immediately, but that would be a disaster. Everybody always says, yeah, I got a new guy. I'm going to put him on the edger. I'm like, are you crazy? That could take it, it's, forever. It, it's funny. It's funny you say that, too, because I, I run a it's just me and a guy right now. And uh, I run the edger. Yeah. I, the, the edger is the hardest standing equipment to run it causes the most you do, you problems do the most, it, most most problems you know most imperfections and uh he's been on the drum sanitizer since almost day one wow that's crazy but i i was reading the article that we did in wood floor business magazine on the next gens and they're really that's the big thing we're trying to focus on who are the new guys because we need them to get them all the help we can possibly get them because I do consulting all the time, and it wouldn't get anywhere each day if I didn't learn from you guys because there's things happening in the field that are different that we need feedback on. Um, but why were you getting yelled at a lot? I read in the article you were getting yelled at a lot. <laughs> Always get yelled. You can never move fast enough. <laughs> you know, it's just it's just never you know an option. So I guess that's my dad ran a real tight ship back then. You know, he had twelve, fourteen guys, and. Uh, you know, efficiency was everything, especially with these spec house build, you know, strip floors. It was how fast can you turn them over until you make money? Did you see a difference um, knowing that you watched your dad? I, watch, I used to watch the guys that worked for me and they'd be like, hey, uh, you know, five o'clock. Like, yeah, well, we got to go. And I, we, we could have this floor coded in 20 minutes and tomorrow be on to the next floor. Could you see a difference after working for him when, when you owned your company? And, oh, I guess I know why we stay late now. Definitely. But in the same sense, it gives a perspective of the other side too. Yeah. Um, you know, where, you know, to a, an employee, it's, it's just a job. It's just, it's how they make a living. You know, it's not necessarily like they're not as passionate about it as you are. They're never going to care about a floor. Like you're going to care about a floor. Right, I guess. Absolutely. Um, so 
I take that into perspective a lot of times. I burn through a lot of employees that way of, of just staying late every single night trying to, you know, burn the candle at both ends. And that's what happens. You know, they get to a point where they're, you know, I could do a hundred other jobs for the same amount of money that are nowhere near this labor intensive. Oh, And I think that's where a lot of younger guys run into issues now with hiring people is that they just want to run all day, every day. And it's going to be hard to find a younger employee that's going to want to do the same thing. Yeah. And you made a good point, but you come from both backgrounds so you can kind of impress upon them. I mean, you, you buy a grand piano for $20,000 and you put it in your house. You, you don't send the scrubs out there or the new guys and you're putting probably the most pristine, most precious piece of furniture in these people's house. And you know there are guys on these job sites. They've been there painting and finished carpentry. And then you show up. They used to call us the prima donna floor guys. And they're like, <laughs> why did he send me home? And I've been here for six months. And I, we've already had three you know, fire pit parties. And then at the end of the year, they have a big party. And they're going to close on the house. And everybody's having a beer. And, and the floor guys show up. And they go, there they are. There's our flooring people. Oh, and everybody hates you. <laughs> but you that's at your point with your guys. You gotta be you have to be on them. You're you're providing a custom finished service. Right. I mean, don't get me wrong. This, this trade is uh very rewarding. Uh especially yeah. when you take something from a install point and, and sand it, you know, and you and you do these custom finishes and to be able to stand back in a really nice house and be like, that's what we've done with our hands is uh is a great feeling. Do you, do you feel more like a, a contractor, finished carpenter, you know, um, kind of guy, technician, or a wood craftsman? Man, I'll tell you. I think as of late, I feel more like a designer. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's a good point. You know, uh, I'm really into the colors and, and the textures and the feels and and stuff like that. It's It's easier to sell these waxed finishes when you really have a good concept of – their end product, you know, it's not a plasticky feeling, you know, it feels like raw wood. It looks like raw wood. Uh, it's a very natural feel. There, there, there's so many benefits to it that, uh, I think a lot of people just don't know about, you know, it's not your average person isn't on, on Instagram following floor guys, you know, they're looking yeah. at cars or, or, or whatever it may be, or, or, you know, maybe just, you know, home interior design and stuff like that. And there's so much into flooring now that, uh, kind of bleeds into that. Now you're you're absolutely right. Do you so I would say you were you're second generation. So you you grew you literally grew up in this. I'm that classic guy that the economy you know hit the skids and somebody said I, I was playing guitar with a buddy of mine at a party and we were both building furniture and guitars and uh, somebody offered us to do a hardwood floor and we did it and it came out so good people started throwing money at us and eventually we started a business we quit our jobs but I was probably like 24. And it actually put me through college because I could go at night and study and this and that. But, I mean, you seem like you were, like, bathed into this. Yeah, I mean, my father came from the same background that, that you did. Uh, he tells me stories all the time. The first pre-finished floor he ever installed, they had to read the instructions on how to install it. <laughs> you know, but he was always an installer uh, growing up. You know, he when he first started, he, he'd sub out his sanding work to guys, and, and then he started getting in-house guys and – by the time I got into it, you know, he realized that the, the money's really in the sand and finish. It's easier on your body and, and your knowledge is worth a lot more. So I was just kind of forced into the sand and finish world. I wanted to install, you, you know, when you're a new guy, you get to do more on the install. Yeah. You don't mess up as much stuff when you're installing. So, I uh, like going on the job, 
um, getting everything running and then shutting it all off, cranking up the radio. Somebody brought coffee, and we were we. This calls the singing floor guys. We would rack out flooring and sing and crack jokes, and it was. And then we'd kick all the gear in and we'd start nailing. But you know, somebody had said the same thing to me. You know, you'd make more money sanding and finishing. We were like, well, we're getting both, but uh, right. there's there there can be some risks at that too. Um, do you think that at what point when you got going and all this? Did you say, you know, this is a this is my thing. This is going to be a career, or, or was there something else that you thought you were going to be doing, or you, this just was it? I hated flooring when I was growing up. Yep. I remember telling my mother I'd never be a floor guy. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I got big into the racing world for a while. Uh, we'd uh, I got linked up with a company that would build racetracks and sanction all the races and uh, travel all over the country. It was it was a great gig when I was when I was young, and uh, you know I I had a kid. And it kind of changed my perspective. And uh, I came back home and I'm like, you know, I'm just, I'm really, I'm best at doing hardwood floors. That's, that's what I'm good at doing. And, and I'm going to run my own show and call all the shots and kind of take away all the stuff that I disliked working for my father at the time when I was young. You Do know? you think once you put your hands on a sander, you're toast, you're not going anywhere. I tell people all no, the time, everybody I've ever known that got behind a sander and tried to leave this business came back to it. And I believe that we'll get Tom Cruise back any day now. Someone <laughs> will do this. It's, you know, you make a good point. You get sucked in. You're not perfect at it, but you get better and better. It's like a video game. And then you go, wow, we got oak coming up tomorrow and next week is pine and we didn't perfect that yet. And then it's kind of a grudge match. I want to be better than every guy out there. And you learn and learn and learn and you try to get better. Then you see other people's work and you realize what you're capable of doing. And to me, it's still a craft. I like the smell of the wood. I like working with it, figuring it out. I don't like when things go wrong. So I'm always really cautious to set you know, the job up right. So it sounds like that's how you got set up in this. Totally. And, and, and like you said, I mean, in the sand and finish world, there's no such thing as a perfect floor. No. You'll always find a flaw somewhere. So, you know, most times it's the next job. How can I be better? I, I love walking into floors that we do for a client and, and, and they're great and they look great and they love them. But I'm always like, there's a little something that I could do better on the next one. Well, you're starting this off right because I talk when I got out of it and started doing distribution, I'm like, I want to meet these guys that I've heard of that are the best of the best. You've heard them. There's a bunch of names in our area, and you hear about them all over the country. And I wanted to know more about why they were so great and what, what they did so well. And it, it, you start setting your own bar. And you know what they all say, and you just said it. They have a form of it. They'll say, I don't like my floors. I've never liked the floor I've ever done. We're not working in a vacuum chamber. This isn't furniture. And I remember the very best floor I did, and I've got a picture in the background of a pine floor you did that looks amazing. I did one like that, and I went home and I said, I think I just did the best floor I've ever done. And it, it was really exciting. And I got a call, and they came home, and they dragged the refrigerator ac across the entire floor, perpendicular <laughs> to every row. Couldn't go with a row, right? And asked us right. what we were going to do about it. The, f the finish wasn't eight hours old yet, and they, the couple almost got divorced over it, but it's you make a, a good point it's making something perfect out of wood is almost impossible it is especially when you get into you know these 1500 3000 square foot floors i mean you're, you're trying to produce a tabletop quality floor through an entire house yeah it, it's a, it's a lot to manage sometimes but like but like you said you do that floor that 
you're like, wow, this is great. I don't know if I can do a better floor. And then you're always chasing that. Yeah. yeah and know, then they give you a pine floor. That every floor. You were just chasing the perfect white oak floor. And you go, well, you might not come back to a white oak floor for a month. And then you remember, where were we at with this? You know, maple, uh, getting the corner scrape properly. I, I can have guys that would do a whole seminar for you on how to perfectly get a scraper sharp. I know guys that used to throw them at me and go, well, you just, you do this. I'll scrape, you sharpen the thing. That's a, that's a skill in itself right there. Totally. That's a tough one. Yeah, until you do finally get it right and usually wind up cutting yourself with the thing. <laughs> what, what do you think I of... Just- I was going to ask you about when you're talking about you, you being new school and there's old school. Do you see a difference between like what you're doing and you're probably working with younger guys as opposed to when you're working with the the old school guys on a job site or just you know watching online or seeing their work? Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty well connected. That's, that's why I love social media. I can't, I can't preach it enough. Um, I, I love talking with the younger guys because they all have that passion to take it to the next level. Where, yeah. Where, I feel like a lot of older guys are they're setting their weights. They 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 want a lamb soul oil base. That's it. Yeah. You know, when water base came out, it, it flashed off so fast, it was so hard to work with it. It just left a bad taste in their mouth and they never went back. No. And there's so many options and so much progression in sand and finish now. You really have to be on top of it to to be with it all the time. Do you it's see- hard to keep up with it. You see the um, the internet and and that being sometimes I see sometimes it's a detriment. Like people have already educated themselves before they even want your opinion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. You get that too. You got to come in with an open mind because there's so many. There's thousands and thousands of people that do wood floors across this country, across the world. You're always going to find a perspective you never thought of. All right, let's take a quick break uh, to talk about our sponsor for today's very first podcast. Great sponsor today, uh, the original Graff Brothers. They have their headquarters and worldwide sales offices situated on a beautiful 70-acre site in South Shore, Kentucky. Uh, Graff Brothers is the world's largest producer of rift and corded white oak products. They're currently producing solid and engineered white oak flooring in widths up to 12 inches. Visit their website at graffbro.com. That's G-R-A-F-B-R-O.com. All right, let's get back to my talk with Jake Schlichty, our young flooring pro from North Country Hardwoods here in a place we like to call the Shire. Jake, let's get back to it. Well, I, I've gotten, you talk about old school, I've gotten old and grumpy because if I, I deal with you, I deal with professionals, and sometimes they'll say, can my customer talk to you, which is great, but to, you speak a language, you come in and you say, hey, idiot, I need 60 grade, i got to get out of here, I know what you're talking about. But a homeowner comes in and they look at the walls and the ceilings and the floors and they touch everything and they say, tell me about, you know, the acorn fell out of the tree and how did it become wood in my house? And you don't really have time for that. But the, it's when they come in and say things like, all right, let's just start off because I don't want that water-based junk and I hate that prefab latex. And you're like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. And they'll go, well, I listen, I really appreciate your opinion. And I'll go, I, I don't have an opinion. Okay, I got fact. You're here for fact, and we're going to get this straight, and your floor guy and I are going to be on the same page, and that's the last time I'm going to say floor guy because we've been scolded about that. But she did <laughs> – hey, my magazine said I could speak with you as floor guy because you're a floor guy. I am. I am. This did you get that lecture? You got that too. lecture, right? I did. I did. <laughs> we're um, learning. Yeah. We're- I, again, with the clients, it's, it's – you came to me for a reason. Yeah. Right? That's always my biggest thing. 
you got referred from an architect, a designer, a builder, your brother, whatever it may be. Um, So whatever you Google search online and find in an article is not necessarily fact. Yeah. And sometimes it's a hard thing for clients to overlook it. You know what? Honestly, if I can't connect with the client like that, then we're just not the right fit. And that's fine. Yeah, they can th- find what they're looking for 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 another company. Aren't those some sometimes uh, that's that's a, a a good point about the educational curve is there's a maturity to being able to walk away from something that you know is it's just going down the wrong road. You're gonna you're gonna hang for this. It's they're not gonna do it the right way. And you listen, you'll know the right way because you said it. You you give people options. Here are your finished choices. Here's what it's gonna look like aesthetically. But you know maybe you've got kids or dogs or sand or it's a new home, a new construction. There's gravel coming in. It, there's a lot of things that are different that you've got to set up for these jobs to make them perform properly. Do you think that? Um, there's any challenge to being younger in flooring? I know there's not a lot of help out there. Do you, do you think it's more challenging? Like like somebody like your father, can he go out and get work quicker and easier and faster on a drop of a dime than you? Or is it harder being younger? Yeah. So actually, this is what I talked about quite a bit for that article. Um, I, the hardest point for me when I first started was I, I look – I mean, I am young, but I look even younger than I am. So the hardest thing is just the sell on these bigger projects, I think. Um we're walking into a lot of these big custom houses and not only are we the youngest, am I the youngest contractor in there, but both of us are the youngest people in that entire house working. Yeah. And uh, these people are spending big money on these floors. Yeah. So I think at first it, it, it kind of bothered me and, and this should go for a lot of younger guys. Um, you know, I was kind of nervous at first doing stuff like that. And it was always a hard press to kind of, maybe throwing something free, like you were saying for like a border or trying to impress somebody for a portfolio. But, you know, after a while I realized that if you spend 15, 20 minutes talking to me and you're really interested in into your hardwood floors, you're going to realize not only have I done my research, but I'm extremely passionate about this trade. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I've really worked on conveying my knowledge to somebody that has no knowledge of hardwood floors, which is, which is another big thing. You know, I, I don't roll into an estimate and say, oh, you know, we're going to use planetary sanders on this and this is my grit sequence. They don't care about that. What do they care about? They care about durability, how long they're going to be out of their house, how clean, you know, you are and are you going to show up on time? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Those are things on my end as a distributor and a technician that are super huge because you're the kind of guy that will come to me and go, listen, this is something I haven't seen. What do you think? And you'll give me your recipe, as we call it, and I'll say, well, have you thought about ceramic or non-ceramic? Have you thought about your grit progression? Because you know there are people that have come in here with pictures and I'll go, why did you go from 12 grit to 80? But see, you've got that, you've got that wrapped and you've got a good point your customer doesn't need to go there. They just need to know they hired the right guy, trust you, you're doing the right work, it's going to come out the right way. And that's not that's not so much an age thing. It's a maturity thing that you're already bringing to the table. I find guys that put their time in the trash as a, as a wood, a wood uh, floor expert, whether you're a man or a woman, it's that maturity to know I'm going to make mistakes, learn from it as fast as you can learn from it, and then ask questions. I know guys that were that were younger than you used to come into my office and they'd just be quiet. And after two, three years, they'd say, can I ask you a question? They're that afraid 
that you're going to judge them when really it's just a giant um, you know consortium of people that are helping to build up our craft, build up our trade. You, you sound like you got a super good grip on it at an early level. Well, thanks. And I think, you know, you make a great point too about, you know, walking into the distributor and, and asking questions all the time. You know, I'm not, I'm not a bashful person, so I have no problem asking anybody any question, but uh, yeah, I've learned a lot because you guys see so many wood floor pros on a constant daily basis. Yep. Yeah. You know, so sometimes I love walking in there and go, Hey, I'm using this new product. Do you know contractors that have bought the same thing? And you're like, yeah, I just sold it to so-and-so yesterday. And this is what he says he likes to do with it. I go, well, that's great. I never even thought of that. Why throw it to see if it sticks when eight pros can tell you whether it worked or not? Hey, they might have an opinion, but you, you can sort out the fact based on the, you know, the application. I, I think that's smart for you. I, you know, we were talking, I was teasing you a little bit about, we've, we've talked about, we grew up in this area, you're a floor guy. Hey guys, what's going on? Floor guy, floor guy, floor guy. I even helped start a company called the Floor Guys, and um, it is different these days because we never saw women in flooring, and they're out there and they're doing a really good job. And I just remember because I was talking with the magazine saying I'm going to watch my floor guys and clean them up left and right. But I do remember when I was 27, we had to work Easter. There was a family that couldn't get in their house, and we had to do this. So we worked Easter morning, and when we were leaving, you know those cool little multicolored alphabets you can they're plastic you can put on the fridge in magnets the the little kids left us easter cookies and they put thank you floor guys in those letters so it, it's kind for me for a term of endearment but yeah there's a lot of new people out there doing things uh and it's gonna it is cool it's funny when you go online you see a a, a pink rotary sander i know it's a power drive yeah that's pretty cool shout out to jessica jessica peterson <laughs> see jesse you got props already and, and by the way you know what is her online name floor gal, floor gal. thank you i know <laughs> i know but like you said it's new england i mean I, I remember my dad poking his head around the corner hey guy what are you doing yeah you're like nah what but am i doing <laughs> how many people you know right you go uh, hey i was, was kind of looking for a new guitar oh i got a guy yeah. I got. I need a carburetor. Oh, I got a carburetor guy. I got a floor guy. You want a floor guy? I got a floor guy. Um, <laughs> it's funny you keep talking about guitars. So I'm sitting in my studio right now. I knew it. Do you don't think I did background work on you? I've built up. Oh, my son is in research. My son's in a band. He plays, and what I love is he lets me go to the studio and run the mics and the cameras or sit in the control room, and it's it is so much fun. I've I've seen some of your guitar work in your garage or yeah, studio. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> You gotta have a, another hobby, you know, an outlet to kind of shut off. You know, otherwise my brain goes uh, nonstop all day long. That I got into flooring, playing guitar, and you know what we would do was we would go coat a floor, and we would wait for it to dry, and we would play our guitars, and then we'd go in and make a coat, and we'd either go home or we'd play some more, and then go home and play some more. It was it, it was the woodworking, the guitar. We built guitars together, furniture together. It became a really cool thing. And you know what? We were making money. We were making really good money. It kind of, awesome. as you know, you got to learn what to do with that money, and uh, it's just running a flooring company is is no breeze. What do you think you would would you book more? Do you balance out your sand and finish in your installs, or is do you go more for the the sand and finish work? Uh, we're pretty balanced out nowadays. We do a lot of new install. I I, I love installing new new wood and, and sand and finishing it because man, it's just uh, so much easier. No, your install is good. You know it's not going anywhere. You don't have any finish to sand off. 
it's just not, especially here where we run into, you know, a lot of refinishes are so gummy and gross and yeah. just terribly sanded. It takes so much work to just get it flat to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. It gets messy. Do you think that, um, I, I read a little bit about what you were interviewed for in the next gen article and, um, what do you, what do you what's your opinion on why I mean it's kind of a fact that younger people aren't getting into trades why do, why do you think it is I mean you have friends that age why aren't they not getting into trades the labor aspect probably I would assume yeah. uh, you know I think my generation growing up was just it was pounded into them that you had to go to college to be successful yeah yep still and uh, you know I think as social media gets bigger and, and a lot of these four guys are put out great content. Um, you get to stand back and look at what you did. I know we talked about this earlier, but just the satisfaction of knowing that you took that house from a subfloor to what it is at the end is just, yeah. you know, it can be incredible at times. You're right. I, I once I did an interview was talking about working down in Washington, DC and I was sending crews down there cause I was amazed they were charging astronomical amounts of money let's say thirty dollars a square foot and i didn't know why the the flooring looked so bad and i had said you know it's very affluent down there and and somebody looked at me a little sideways i'm like no i'm telling you there's a lot of money in the washington dc area everybody goes to college you're told to go to college and then finding a plumber finding an electrician finding a floor guy and the floor guys they were getting the flooring pros that's why i don't say floor pros that there weren't any these are Finnish carpenters that do everything, jack of all trades, and they're taking over the flooring project, and they don't even have a distributor, so they go to some place like Home Depot, Lowe's, what, wherever they can get material. They get something for three ninety nine. They knock it in, and then they say, "There's your hardwood floor." That's not what we have here. You see, in pockets of the country where floor pros are, um, it's the same thing. I'm not seeing even me. You made a good point. My kids, when they were little, we knocked in a gymnasium together, and it was cute. They were putting the boards, and they could, and they were, they loved racking the wood out. And I kept saying, mm-hmm. "This is the last one you're ever gonna do." And it's true. I sent right. them off to college, and that was it. And they're they're hard workers. They're not in flooring. They're never gonna be in it. And I think, you know, there's a lot of people we need to do this work. Definitely, but but again, uh, like you said, I, I think my father always thought the same thing. Was like, I don't want any of my kids to be floor guys. You know, it is hard trade. It There's hard. easier ways to make out money, but it got to a point where I, I just really got to a point where I loved working really hard every day and being like, I earn this amount of money. I think the average. The, they did a study, and if you do the average of what someone can make, let's say it, it, you could make about sixty-five to seventy thousand dollars a year. And and you think it through, I know kids that have gone through college, got their degrees, and they're starting at about seventy, but they have one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in debt. So if people think, well, you got into a trade, there you you must not have been a good student, or there must have been no options for you. I think we're finding a lot these days how badly people that earn a really good income would like to have nice things put in by people that don't have the skill to be putting these things in. There's got to be a balance out there. And every trade, every career has got, you know, the entry-level jobs. You call them rock-bottom jobs or the crap jobs. But how is anybody, if they don't have means of any kind, going to cut their teeth? Like you, get behind a sander, work with your dad, go off on your own. Now you're up and running, and you're going to do super well for yourself. There's, I swear that to this day... 
I still have people that will beg me to come do their floors. And I'd love to. I can't do it anymore. It's just, it's past that. You're in a good position, I think. And it seems like you're enjoying it. Yeah, I am. It, it, you know, I grew up in this trade, so I'm fortunate to know a lot of guys that have substantial companies that are run for 20 and 30 years doing really high-end projects that, you know, will give us a call and say, hey, can you can you do this job for us in, you know, a month's time? Yeah. You know, it's just really elaborate, stand and finish shop. And I know, I, I know a lot of guys don't want to sub out work, but there's something to be said to be trusted by another flooring pro on that caliber yeah. of a job, uh, you know, to do a really good job. And uh, I, I love doing jobs like that, you know, cause sometimes it's nice to not have to deal with the client or the builder or the, you just show up, put your headphones on, yep. Fire the sanders up and do your job. Absolutely. You, you must have – do you have buddies your age that are doing it? Yeah. Uh, across the country, not as much locally. No. Yeah. Are they looking at it like you? Like, this looks – this is good. Yeah, they're constantly busy. And again, if they crank out – if they do good work, they're going to get referrals. I think – And that's what – you know, what it comes down to. I think that's what the, the industry is trying to do. That's what Wood Floor Business is trying to do is to – you know, I read some articles and I read them, some of those that you were involved in where they're talking about, you know, we need to sell the industry. We need to do this or that. No, we have to honestly provide a professional opportunity to do something good. We don't need to trick anybody into getting out there and swinging a hammer. It's not for everybody, but there are people that are crafty enough. They've got skill. They like hard work. They they like that it's so non it's it might seem repetitive but it is not there's no floor you're going to do tomorrow that's exactly like yesterday's totally totally i i have a great friend out of chicago uh i'll shout out ethan allen broadleaf yeah Yeah, he's just doing he's a couple years younger than me and and man some of the work that he's been cranking out the last couple months are just they're gorgeous pattern floors chevron have uh herringbone Yeah. yeah stuff people that don't even know is an option right on a floor. And I think that's, a, that's another thing, you know, the younger generation, if, if they stay on top of what, what's moving, uh, you know, just present stuff to the right people and, and you make that niche. And I think that's pretty important in the trades. I think you're right. You think if you weren't um, involved the way you are right now, cause you, you've got an up and coming business. What do you think you'd be doing if, if you hadn't jumped into hardwood flooring? Uh, I'd be in the automotive world at some stretch of it. Um, but again, I mean, that was just a traveling circus. It gets old traveling and living on the road. So you so you have that mechanical – you, you remind me of me in the way that I, I tinker with my guitar because when I, when I can't play or I'm bored with it, I love the mechanics of it. I like the mechanics mm-hmm. of woodworking. Uh, we stayed here last night in the warehouse, and I did an oil lube and filter for my son. I just – I enjoy working with my hands. I think if I retired, I tell people I'm going to go to Home Depot. I'm going to get a job in the electrical aisle. So when people come over and go, they said you know everything about hardwood flooring, but not nah, it's electrical. You're in the wrong aisle. I know nothing about that. <laughs> Jake's in aisle two. Jake. <laughs> so you, yeah, I tell you, it wouldn't it be great if I, I wish I could. I wish this could have. Uh, I said if I could have uh, played as much guitar as I did studying hardwood flooring, I'd listen. I'd be fine. I'd be touring. <laughs> it's never. It's not happening. Yeah, well, I'm I'm sure you know my father jumped into the uh, distribution world too, so that's kind of uh, piqued my interest. I, oh yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. He did. Well, he he was always like, 
um, a, cro- a hybrid because he had his floor company and, and he would buy from us. He was a pseudo distributor. Now he's a distributor. And, uh, you know, it's a good thing for everybody because you need people with a professional background to kind of keep that stuff grounded. That's a huge, huge, huge part, huge part. I, I, you know, and it's funny you say that too, because I remember first starting off, I I would take the extra 20, 30 minute trip to another distributor because they knew what they were talking about. They weren't just salesmen or just some hired guy behind a desk selling product. I felt comfortable asking a question in depth and getting a a legit response back. Well, that's why they call you the next gen. I remember guys that are now work with your dad or other people in the industry. And I remember when they would come in my office after their boss left and go, well, what if I got into this? And then they'd start their company. I have a buddy of mine. He's, he's been in the business forever. And you say, well, what is it that you do for business? And he doesn't say floor guy. He goes, um, I'm in business to train other flooring people to open their businesses. That's another trick to this industry. It's kind of you get your bug, you get going. Guys will tell you you could have – I had 22 guys. It was a disaster. Three, it's perfect maybe. Two sometimes, sometimes four, depending on what you're doing. What, what size crew do you, are you operating with? Uh, as of now, it's just me and a helper. Yeah. Um, I've had three guys at one point, and it, it just becomes – you're just putting out fires yeah, constantly absolutely, and you're not getting as much work done. So, you know, he's, he's a good enough craftsman in uh, um, a floor mechanic to run a job start to finish. So, you know, if I have to go run out and do estimates or meet with designers or builders, you know, he's more than capable of doing a job start to finish at the quality that I expect. So it's just easier for me now to trust one person. Yeah. Uh, to do that you know i'm looking at getting a helper for him to kind of take it to the next level but you know you really don't see those companies anymore that are running double digit guys no they got smart quick i think they learned from other people that it's very very tricky to do you don't it's you're not profitable there's there's more hassles and by the way you know what will happen with more than one crew if anything goes wrong and something always goes wrong in flooring they come after you. They have to. Where's the guy that sold me this job? Where's Jake? I need him on the job. Why aren't you at my job? Well, my guys are good enough. No, that's not what I paid for. It's a, it's a slippery slope like that. I'm going to do We You and I could talk forever. I want to <laughs> rifle through some of these quick questions they gave me to see what kind of response that you got, and you know, we can wrap it up. But I like this one. You got a favorite person in the flooring industry? Oh, favorite person. Yeah, everybody's man, got I, somebody, a mentor or somebody. And man, I yeah, I gotta say Eric Herman. In, yeah, in, out of Manhattan, love him. Yeah, he's like uh, yeah, he's like a father figure to me. Um, man, it just he's the uh, king of samples, right? If you are looking for a specific designer color, I can shoot him a text and he'll crank out this formula. And I'm like, I don't even know how you know that, right off the top of his head. You, do you find I, a connection with these guys? Like I, I, I find that when I ask people that it, they light up, it's like a brother they, or, a, or a mentor. They, they really like this person and it has to do with flooring and it's a legacy thing. Yeah. I mean, it just comes on, on that. I mean, he's doing some of the most incredible floors in the country and uh, just a, a personality level. We get you know along really well. I actually got to go out there two or three years ago and, uh, check out his operation and man, it just kind of put things into perspective. Like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to start doing this now. I'm going to start making more samples. I'm going to start talking to clients like this. Like, it's just always that, 
that next thing that kind of piques my interest in, uh, you know. Yeah, I got to apologize, man. You're a lifer. You're going nowhere. To put the guitars away. <laughs> you're sucked in. What's your, what's your One favorite? One way or another. <laughs> what's your favorite wood species? Man, I love white oak. I don't care how boring it, cool? it gets and how many white oak floors I see. Uh, that'll always be my favorite. Well, well you know, here it, it was what? A hundred years of red oak. Literally, I could ask what neighborhood somebody is in. I, go, I know where it came from. Diamond lumber. It's red oak. It's two and a quarter. Bruce, Mississippi plant, 1985, just before the heavy rain season. And people right. look at you, they go, really? I'm, nah, I'm just winging it. But you got red oak, <laughs> and your stairs are red oak. <laughs> yeah, red oak. Uh, your you stairs know. are definitely red oak. That's a fact. And I would love to work with bird's eye maple, but for $35 a foot, and nobody wants to pay, you know, you're not going to get a floor out of that anytime soon. You got any flooring pet peeves? Stuff that drives you absolutely crazy? Yeah, like... Uh improper scraped corners like just basic 101 stuff that gets skipped over and overlooked it's bad vacuuming all that stuff man it's just laziness yeah and it sets everybody that drives back. me nuts how about it tools you got any favorite tools like what would you never give no one's taken this today this is mine leave it alone <clears throat> my epic hd but don't tell anybody yeah see see there you go uh yeah mine i think was the power jack because we'd never seen them i thought that was the greatest thing ever that's one of the few things i still do old school with the big screwdriver yeah right <laughs> get the biggest screwdriver you can pound it through. i love it remember i went through the osb era so every time you did that it, the, the screwdriver went through to the basement <laughs> with the osb chips and tell me the truth you got carpet somewhere in your house Oh, man, I do. I just bought a new house six months ago. So oh, give me a break. Congratulations. <laughs> nice. I got about 600 feet left. I'm knocking it out as I go. Wow. That, hey, that's how you do it. Right? You can't, it can't all – well, I say that. My house is – it's 100% wood except for one tile area because I don't care what we put there. It's, it's going to get beat. I don't want to be sanding. And that's the other thing. When it's expected of you, trust me, every floor guy goes home to a floor that somebody wanted finished or buffed or coated or sanded or something. Yep, definitely. Well, listen, I've had a blast spending time with you, and congratulations on the little write-up they did for you in Wood Floor Business Magazine. You're the very first on our podcast kickoff, and it is super cool to be talking with some new guys. We, I think we should do is put together you and a group of the younger guys and do a whole little uh, you know, three-, four-person sit-down. That'd be awesome. And uh, thanks for having me, man. It's been an honor. You got it, man. Hey, Jake, thank you very much. And hopefully we'll catch up with you soon, man. I really appreciate you hanging in with me. Yeah, sounds good, Steve. Be good, buddy. You got it. All right. This episode of ATWF All Things Wood Floor was brought to you by Graff Brothers, the world's largest producer of rift and quartered white oak products. Thanks for listening and catch us next time when we will be talking with lifelong wood flooring pro Michael Purser, who specializes in historic flooring restoration and has worked everywhere from Henry Ford's estate to James Madison's Mount Pelier home. I have spoken with this gentleman. He's brilliant and he's fascinating. Wood Floor Business Magazine put this podcast together so that wood flooring pros could share information around the world. I am Steve Diggins. I will be your Supreme Allied Commander. Let's not fool around, people. This podcast is for 47 and a third percent of your final grade and i swear there'll be an essay section at the end of this uh i like hanging out with you people so let's do it again real soon um good to have you and good to talk flooring i'm out hey wood flooring pros this is kim walgren the editor of wood floor business thanks for listening to all things wood floor if you liked this podcast please be sure to subscribe and share it with your fellow wood flooring pros and make sure you're getting your own copy of Woodfloor Business Magazine in your mailbox. Just go to woodfloorbusiness.com and click on subscribe. It's that easy. 
and it's free. 